going to read some scripture this morning and talk about a subject that we started Wednesday night. I want to thank you for coming on Wednesday night. Seems like our crowds are growing on Wednesday night, and we appreciate all of you that are here. And for you that were here this past Wednesday night, bear with me. We're going to continue that subject, but we'll probably talk about some things that we did not talk about Wednesday evening. We would like for everyone to have an outline of the scripture. If you are don't have one, did not receive one earlier as you came in, please raise your hand and Brother Steve will make sure that everyone gets an outline. So we want that to happen. Reading from the book of Genesis, reading the fourth chapter from the fourth chapter of the book of Genesis, and reading with the New International Version. I don't read from this one often, but as I was studying this week, I said, I want to read it from this version. So we'll look at it, Genesis 4, 4 through 8. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was what? Very angry. And his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? This is the first question that was asked following the Garden of Eden. The first question that God asked following the Garden of Eden was, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, and I love the way that that God had compassion on Cain and he dealt with Cain. He said, listen, if you do what is right, you'll be accepted. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. Sin lies at your door like an lion that's about to attack and when you go out of this church today i want you to i'm going to tell you something sin's going to crouch at your door the devil is going evil you know this is like 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 a satanic thing like demons and i'm not trying to get scary i'm just saying the devil is out to destroy you and he lies at your door for every opportunity he gets to come in and to tempt you and even if he can to destroy you now cain said to his brother abel uh let's go out to the field And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Father, speak to our hearts. May when we walk out this door today, we would be better men and women. As the word goes forth, may that seed germinate in our hearts and in our lives, and may it bring forth much fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Look at the introduction. Last year, the BBC asked a question that many of us are still asking. Why? Are Americans so angry? According to a CNN and ORC poll from a year ago, 69% of Americans are either very angry or they are somewhat angry. 
about the way things are going in the United States of America. In a recent article for the Atlantic Monthly, Peter Bernard writes that the absence of faith in some people's lives has arguably impacted their disposition toward those with whom they disagree. I would say amen. Wow. As people of faith, we have a name for this kind of excessive anger. Sin. And we also have a script for how to respond to it. You know, that's what I like about Christianity. It not only tells you what's wrong, it gives you the answer for how you can get right. It not only addresses a problem, it gives the answer to the problem. Have you seen those LifeLock commercials? I love those LifeLock commercials. The scene opens in a, uh, in a bank. And there's about four or five men as they burst into the door with their mask on and their hoods on. And they've got guns in their hands. And they demanded everybody fall on the floor. And there's this guard standing there. And this lady laying beside him said, do something. He said, I'm a security guard. I'm a security uh, monitor. You've been robbed. <laughs> do something. The other one is the scene in the dentist chair where this guy with his white coat on is looking in the mouth of this young man and he's got it pried open and boy you've got a bad cavity lady standing behind him said it's bad and uh, they said that's it he and the lady said let's go eat he said aren't you going to fix it he said I'm not a dental I'm not a dentist I'm a dental monitor I just tell you when you have a bad cavity and that's the world today. You know what the world wants? They want you to do something and they want you to fix it. And I wonder if the church can do something about our problems in the world today. I wonder if we have the power and the ability through God Almighty. Can we fix it? I think we can. You got a sin problem? I think it can be fixed. You got a marital problem? I think it can be fixed. You got a financial situation problem? I think it can be fixed. We can fix it. I can tell you how to fix it. I'm not just a monitor telling you what's wrong. I want to tell you how to fix it. And I can tell you how to fix anger. Now, you might not listen to it. It may not be your cup of tea, so to speak. But I can tell you how to fix it. But people are angry. They are angry over the economy. They're angry over immigration. They're angry over income inequality. They look at the environment and there's this side and that side. Some says we're going to burn up. Some says we're going to freeze. They look at the environment and what's going on. And they're very, very angry over the subject of the environment. 
Abortion. I can't think of anything that stirs up anger any more than that word, abortion. People are angry. Homosexuality. Transvestite. Can, can you imagine where we are today in our society? That the thing that stirs up more anger, in fact, it had a lot to do with the election in North Carolina this past election. It had a lot to do with it. Whether a man can go in a woman's bathroom. I mean, it, stir, it stirs up a lot of anger. Even the coach of Duke and the coach of Carolina had to get in on it, and I didn't like neither one of them statement. Anger. Angry. And the subject of homosexuality makes people angry. You know how many homosexuals in the, in the U.S. today? You know how many of them? You'd think that there was about 30, 40, 50 percent. Maybe not that many. 3.5 percent. And we're fussing over who's going to use which bathroom. We're angry over it. How many transvestites are in America today? 0.03%. And we're angry. You say, but they have a right. Sure. Sure they have a right. People have a right to do a lot of things that they shouldn't do. Just don't try to make me agree with it. Don't try to judge me if I don't agree with it. You go do your thing and we'll do our thing. A little quiet in here right now. But people are angry. In other words, our society, our United States, America does not meet my expectations. I feel like I'm shortchanged. Everybody's feeling like they're, hey, I need more. I need to get more out of our society. I need more. We are very disappointed. I have never seen such a divided nation. I've never seen the lack of anger in my life. And you either, probably. Back in 1978, there was a TV program on. And Bill Bigsby was the he was the actor in this particular program. His TV name was uh, Banner, I believe it was. David Banner. Most of you probably remember that. Some of you are too young to remember it, although we have reruns now of it. But something happened to David Banner, and he had some of his system to be out of whack. And if, if you ever made him angry, he would change and turn into this this green monster. His eyes would be green and, and his shirt would start bursting open and popping all his buttons would start popping out. You know, some of you thought you married David Banner and you found out you got the Hulk. Anger. You ever watch people get angry today and they're they're countenance changes we get angry at different things most of two things the inanimate objects this police chief was telling about a Washington incident where it snowed and the guy got stuck six, six inches of snow 
He jumps out of his car, raises his hood, gets the tire tool, and busts every window in his car. Pulls out a gun, shoots every tire. They go flat. And then he reloads it and shoots, shoots it into the car. You say, well, that's something to get that angry. You ever get angry at, 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 you know, at, at, at your computer? How about when you get on the elevator and you press close and then you keep close, I said. <laughs> we get angry at things. We get angry at things. We get angry at people. You know, we're in a hurry. We go in the hurry and we go in the grocery store and, and we have just a few items. We get about six or eight items. Items We get up to the express lane and it's lined up and you look in there and this man or this lady has a buggy full of groceries and you start counting the items that they've got in their basket and say, mm, you get angry. We get angry at our wives and our husbands. We get angry. We shouldn't get angry. We should not allow anger to control us. I'm reminded of people in the Bible that got angry. Esau, because Jacob stole his birthright, was angry. In fact, he was so angry he was going to kill Jacob. Jacob, coaxed by his mother, had to leave and go off to another country. One person you didn't want to make angry was Samson. Samson got angry at his wife because he had a riddle and she told the secret of his riddle. He got so mad he went out and killed 30 men. You just didn't want to make him angry. Moses. Moses got angry at the people. And what did he do? Rather than speak to the rock, he struck the rock and that kept him out of the promised land because of anger. Many of us are kept from the blessings of God because we allow anger to control us. We need to be careful. I, I, I think often, and I have thought often because I've looked at the story of David. I love the story of David, Goliath, and all of this that goes on. And I think about Eliab. Eliab was David's brother, oldest brother, I believe it was. And you remember the story how uh, Jesse sent David down to see how the battle was going and he had food with him. And Eliab looked up at David, and the Bible says Eliab saw David, and he got angry. He said, what are you doing here? Why don't you go back and tend to that, those few sheep? Why was Eliab angry at David? I believe because David was anointed king. Sibling angry, anger. Moms and dads and sons and daughters. Family anger. Some people get angry, and they won't speak to each other for months and for years. I'm talking about anger. The Bible has a lot to say about anger. And it's important to us that we don't allow anger to control our lives. Warnings against anger. Paul warns us against unwholesome attitudes towards others. Ephesians 4 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So evidently, 
Forgiveness goes along with dealing with anger. I wrote at the bottom of the page, anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than on anything on which it is poured. When we allow anger to control us, it does us more damage than the person that we're angry at. In fact, they may not even know it, and it's not bothering them, but we're allowing what they did, what they said, Yesterday, yesterday, years ago, we allow what they said to control our lives. And what happens, listen at me, it turns into bitterness and destroys our relationship with God. It destroys our health. It wrecks our life and wrecks certainly our relationship. We must rid ourselves of the old life and put on the new life of living. Colossians chapter 3. Now I've got on your, on your notes uh, Colossians 3, 18, 8 through 17. And I would encourage you to read those verses. I didn't, I'm not going to read all those verses today. If you want the answer to a lot of your problems and our problems dealing with relationships, read Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 through verse 17. It's important to find out. We must rid ourselves of the old life and put on the new life. But now you yourselves are to put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, out of your mouth. So he says that we, listen to me. Someone says, I can't help him get it. I can't help getting angry. Or the devil made me do it. No, you can control it. Don't blame your wife. I dealt with anger for years. It controlled my life until I made up my mind I was going to deal with it. And I was angry at Carol often when she had done nothing. But I could find fault with what she did or did not do. But anger controlled me. Almost destroyed our relationship until I did something to deal with it. In other words, God says you can deal with anger that springs from self-centeredness, does not accomplish the righteousness of God, but is conducive only to malice. Not only malice, but it's conducive to destruction. Listen to what James tells us. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger or wrath. So I think listening and speaking has something to do with anger. You know, before you speak when you're angry, you should count to ten. Really? And if you're very angry, count to a hundred. Be slow to speak. Dealing with this evil called anger. We act on anger. How do, we, how do you act? I may, maybe should ask the mate, mate how, do you, how does your mate act when they get angry? What do you, what do, you do to let people know or 
do when you get angry? My tool was silence. I would go for days and not speak to my wife. Wow. Do you just clam up? And your wife said, what's the matter, honey? Nothing. Silence is one way that we express anger. Withdrawal. People get angry at the church and they withdraw. I can tell when people are angry at me or at the church. Because if they sit up front, they move further and further to the back. And then they move out the door. I mean, I can't. You can't pastor for 48 years and not know people's habits. We withdraw. Yelling. I hope it doesn't get to yelling. Threats. Violence. Why? Why, why are there so much murders? Why do we do what Cain did? Why is so much school killings? Why is people being all of this stuff? Because they're angry. We need in America to control our anger. We need as believers, as Christians, to control our anger. Anger aimed at injustice or sin is commendable. Not all anger is a sin. Jesus got angry and drove them out of the temple because they used the house of God for something other than what they should, should have used it for. Anger. Anger managed correctly can be an asset, not certainly a liability. It's time for the church to get a holy anger about the sin and immorality in our world today. We need to control it. We need to channel it. But it's time for the church to rise up and say enough is enough. They're taking our crosses down in our public places. They're taking the Ten Commandments down in our public places. You know, they're rioting and they're marching and they're doing all kind of things. And I'm not calling for any of that. I'm just saying it's time for the church to get angry and take it to their private prayer closet and lay before God and say, God, I'm angry about all of this. <laughs> Ephesians tells us this, be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. In other words, he's saying, deal with anger quickly. The three things I did to overcome anger, number one, I fasted for seven days. I think self-control is very important when it comes to fat, when it comes to anger and i think fasting is a good start in dealing with self-control that should have got about four or five or six amens there all right there that's good i think fasting is important when we push that plate back and said god i'm tired of anger controlling my life I'm tired of succumbing to this spirit of anger. And let's push that plate back and say, God, I want to be free. The second thing I did, I stood up in the church publicly and I said, I, have, I'm, I get angry. I need victory and I want you to pray for me. I did that twice. 
Because when we're angry or when we're dealing with anger, we don't want nobody to know it or we don't want anybody to think about it. And so we don't, we don't say anything about it. I believe the Bible says confess your faults one to the other. Pray for one another. It's okay to confess your faults? I think it is. The third thing I did, not only did I fast, not only did I pray and ask the church to pray for me, but I became accountable to someone. That was the hardest. Because when you become accountable to someone, you don't want to deal with it. I found out something that's very, very important when it comes to anger. When you get angry, you've got to deal with it right then, quickly. If you let it seethe, you won't deal with it. It will get worse and worse and worse. When you first get angry, right then, call your brother, call your sister, call the person that you're accountable to and say, listen, would you pray for me? You say, Pastor, do you get angry now? Yes. Does it control you? No. There's a difference. It's important that we conquer that anger. Why are you angry? As I said, it was the first question that was asked outside of the Garden of Eden. Now listen, understand something. When God asks you a question or when God asks a question, it's not that he don't know the answer. He knows the answer. The reason he asks you and I these questions, he wants us to understand the answer. That's why he asked the blind man, do you want to be healed? (laughs) That's why he said to the blind man when he came up, what do you want me to do for you? Hey, Jesus, he can't see. Can't you see? He can't see. He knew all that, but he wanted the blind man, and he'll ask that question. He'll ask us questions that you and I might certainly understand the answer. God evaluates both our motives and the quality of what we offer. Now, Cain was the firstborn of Adam and Eve. He went out and he started farming. Abel was the second, of course. It was time for them to worship. It was time for them to worship. And so they both came to worship. Abel brought a blood sacrifice. Cain brought fruit of the field. God accepted Cain, uh, Abel's offering. He did not accept Cain's. You say, why? I don't know. Nobody knows. We can speculate. You see, God's sovereign. He can accept what he wants to and deny what he wants to. I think probably there was some Things there, I think one reason is because uh, Cain had a bad attitude. He came for the wrong reason. I think it could have been because they knew better and because Abel offered a sacrifice that included the death of an, an- uh, uh, the death of an animal, and Cain just brought whatever the fruit of the field. But for whatever reason. God accepted Abel's offering, but he did not accept Cain's offering. And so Cain became very, very angry. And so he asked him, why are you angry? God asked him, why are you angry? Or do you have a right to be angry? 
He said, don't you know if you do good, you'll be blessed. If you do evil, you won't be blessed. In other words, God gave Cain an opportunity to repent. God showed him mercy, and he didn't accept it. He calls Abel out to the field, and there he kills him, the first murder. And as I said earlier, people are killing, they commit murder, commit all kind of violence, do all kind of things simply because they allow anger to control their lives. Let me look, and I received this from someone else, but let me look at several reasons why I believe the anger was there. First of all was the comparison. Anger is deeply embedded in selfishness and pride. And Cain says, he didn't, God didn't accept my sacrifice. One of the things that will make you angry is when you start comparing yourself to other people. And that's one thing wrong with America today. Oh, I don't make as much money as she does. Or as I don't make as much money as he does. I don't get recognized like they do. The inequality in our country today. And we want what we want, when we want it, how we want it. One thing my wife told me yesterday, and I have a tendency to believe believe her, one thing wrong with America, it has too much money. Now, Brother Don, you done quit preaching and going to meddling about that. No, I haven't. We get what we want, when we want it, how we want it. We got too much money. I know. If we want to go to a restaurant and spend $30 a piece for a meal, we'll do it. I don't do that. Well, you do whatever. If you want whatever we want to do, basically we do what we want to do. But we think that one's getting ahead. We get mad at the Joneses because they are able to get a new car, and so I want to get a new car. And we can do basically. I'm not talking about everything. We can do basically what we want to do. Go to Nicaragua. Go to India. Go to these third world countries and we'll find out we do very, very well here, but we're still angry because we don't get what we want when we want it. That's a pretty good place to clap right there. It's true. We compare ourselves with the Joneses. We compare ourselves with our neighbors. We compare ourselves with brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we get angry because God has blessed this one and didn't bless us this way. Comparison. Cain compared Abel and him. And so what happened? He said, God, you you accepted my brother's offering. Why didn't you accept mine? Boom. Comparison. Number two. Acceptance issues. It's really not acceptance. If you know, it's the lack of acceptance. God said, "If you'll do right, you'll get my favor." And we wonder why. God, why are you? Why am I in this mess? Why am I here? What's happened here? What's all this? Probably not all the time, but it's the seed you sowed yesterday, last year, or years ago. Some of these are going, I don't know about these others. It's true. We, we, we want to be accepted. We want to be with the in crowd. 
Why are you angry? Isolation. Listen, this is one of the most damaging reasons why people get angry. is because they isolate themselves from God's people. We're living in the time. Now, when I went to church, when I was a teenager, you went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. It's different today. I understand that. And I don't think going to church saves you. But I'm going to tell you what will save you. Not, not save you, but it will keep you safe. It will keep you with victory. And that's associating and fellowshipping with God's people. Last Friday night, last Friday night, we have prayer here. By the way, we have prayer here every Friday night. T- tell your neighbor that. Say, we have prayer here. Come on, come on. T- turn. We have prayer here every Friday night. Come on. Even if you don't come, tell them. I ain't coming, but I'll tell you, we have prayer here every Friday night. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just telling you, it was one of the most powerful Friday nights we've had, and we have all of them are good. I love come to pray. And Brother Morris and Sister Ann came to pray, and Brother Morris sat on that front pew right there, and he prayed almost a whole hour. And I, I just was so blessed at hearing this man pray. It's important that we come together, pray together, fellowship together. That, you see, he got, he got a hold of Abel. He said, let's go out in the field. Let's, let's, let's get away from everything here. When we isolate ourselves from God's people, we open ourselves up for the devil to destroy us. I believe that. The Bible says, you see, what does the Bible say about that? I'll tell you what the Bible says about it. It says, forsake I'm preaching to the choir. Are you here? Then forsake not the assemblies of yourselves together. And even the more as you see that day approaching. Other words, come together as one. But now we, if we want to go to church, okay. If we don't, okay. If we want to be out, okay. If I go once, twice, three, maybe even three times a month, I'm okay. Are we? I don't think you've got to go to church every time the doors are open. But I do think it's important that we don't isolate. And I've noticed people over the years, when they get a spur under their saddle, one of the first things they do is start isolating themselves. Negativity. (laughs) You know, we should cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Let me say that again. We should cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Stop complaining. Stop finding fault. My wife has to get on me all the time. She's the positive thinker and, you know, I'm the negative. And I have to work on it hard. I can preach on that because I can... Cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Start focusing on God's blessings. Blessing after blessing. Keep on following me. Listen, God wants to bless. God will bless. When I start complaining and finding fault, I I begin to look around and say, God, you bless us so much. You bless us so much. And I find myself, listen, this week, Several times. I find myself coming to the church. And you know my 
tradition that I have when a certain blessing comes or special blessings come, I come and get in the altar. And I find myself this week coming to this altar more and more and saying, God, thank you for your blessings. And if you'll focus on the blessings of God more, you won't, you'll stop focusing on those negative things. That's, that's okay. That's okay. Cultivate an attitude of gratitude. I got I to gotta hush. My time is it's gone. God called Jonah to go to Nineveh. There's not one person here that don't know about Jonah probably in the whole four chapters of that book. 48 verses, I think. Called Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah ran the other way and God got a hold of him, sent a storm, and he had to finally get out of that whale's belly and go. He went and preached to Nineveh and that whole great city repented before God. From the top to the bottom, from the king right on down to the animals were, you know. What did Jonah do? He got angry. Can you imagine? Here's an angry prophet. Here's an angry prophet. He said, God, I told you what you would do. I knew what was going to happen. He got, there's more anger in the Bible and more anger today over religion than anything else. That's the reason people said, don't talk about two things at work. What are they? Politics and religion. And people get angry, more angry over politics and religion. But it might not look like religion, but it comes out to be religion. They hate Christians. Darkness hates light. And so he said, I told you what you would do. And God had mercy on them, forgave them. They repented in sackcloth and ashes. And so he gets angry. He pouts, goes on the east side of Nineveh and sits down and looks at the city on the hill and said, I'm just going to wait and see what goes on with Nineveh. Now, I'm sure none of you pout with your anger. I, you know, I'm, uh, but he did. And he's sitting on this knoll and he builds him a little place over him and it's hot. It's seething, seething hot. And so God asked him when he got angry, he said, he said, Jonah, do you have a right to get angry? He said, yes, I do. He said, in fact, God, I'm telling you, I'm so angry I could die. This is what he said. So he's sitting over here under that little whatever, and he's so hot he can't hardly stand it. And all of a sudden, and overnight, God blessed a gourd, a plant, this big leaf plant to grow up over his head. And it shaded him. And that breeze come through and the heat quit boiling down on him. And the Bible said he rejoiced. He was rejoicing. God prepared the gourd and then God prepared a worm. If God can prepare a gourd, he can prepare a worm. And the worm came out and ate the gourd and it died. And his little shade was gone. Now he's angry again. He's mad. And God said to Jonah, he said, you have a right to get angry. He said, yes, I do. He said, I'm going to tell you, God, I'm so angry I could die. I told him twice. 
I'm so angry I could die. I don't know what you get angry over. I don't know what makes you mad. Whether it's comparison or whatever it might be. You may get angry at God because of the way things have gone or not gone. But I'm here to tell you, you can deal with anger. And I'm going to take about two minutes and tell you how to deal with it. Number one, we can have victory over anger. We must change the way we are. John Maxwell said people change when they hurt bad enough they have to. Three times. People change when they learn enough that they want to. I used to love Snickers. Almond Joys was one of my favorite. I loved Almond Joys. But my favorite was banana pudding. I know it's time for lunch and you're probably already now beginning to get hungry. But I love sweets. I love sweets. Fifteen years ago they told me if I eat sweets or that sugar feeds cancer cells. Yeah. Don't blame me. I mean, this report came from Johns Hopkins. Now, it's mainly a certain kind of cancer cells. That means if you eat sugar, you're going to have cancer. But when Dr. Kim came in that room with that piece of paper in his hands and he showed me, he said, Don, we've just come with this report from Johns Hopkins. Sugar feeds cancer cells. I quit eating sugar. Don't get much sugar now from my wife even. I'm just <laughs> I am kidding. I'm not lying, but I'm just kidding. I'm not going to lie behind the pulpit. No, I learned enough that I wanted to quit. You change when you're hurt bad enough you have to quit. You change when you're learned enough that you want to quit. And number three, you change when you receive enough that you're able to quit or to change. How do you do that, Brother Don? Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Receive the anointing of the Lord. We change. One must change the way they think. Most anger comes from, listen to this statement, most anger comes from irrational thinking. Be willing to forgive, release it, let it go. Cultivate self-control. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32 says it this way. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. How important, how important it is for us to have self-control. And I'm learning, I hope you're learning. Be willing to forgive Cultivate self-control. And as I said, fasting is a good place to start. I love James 4 and 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submission indicates humility. And we don't have a lot of you people that's humble today. Pride sits right up here. And, you know, Bible says submit to God. Humble ourselves before God. God, I come today. I humble myself. I'm not going to ask you to humble me. I'm going to humble myself. People try to resist the devil before humbling themselves and it don't work. You first of all, all got to submit 
then you humble, then you resist, and then the devil will flee from us. And number number six, live Romans chapter eight. I, I, I don't have to tell you because most of you have heard me many times talk about Romans chapter eight. If not the greatest book ever written, I think St. John is one of the greatest, if not the greatest book ever written. I'm talking about all, you, you name them. Doesn't matter, Max Licato, Shakespeare, whoever it was, whoever, whoever. This, Romans is one of the greatest books ever written. And Paul, in this, in this eighth chapter, 19 times, he speaks of the Holy Spirit. Up to chapter 8, he's talked about, chapter 1 talks about the conditions of the world, and it's the same way today in all of these things. Chapter 7, he talks about how sin is prevalent and when he wants to do good, evil is always there, oh, wretched man that I am. And then he goes into chapter 8 and he talks about no condemnation to them that are in Jesus Christ. Stop dealing with condemnation. Allow the Holy Spirit to come in and minister. 